You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. This August, all month long, Vic Market Tattoo is offering over 2,000 flash designs for $150 when you mention Sin FM. Creating exceptional tattoo art in Nam, Melbourne since 1992. Head down to 324 Victoria Street, North Melbourne before this offer ends. Terms and conditions apply. Vic Market Tattoo, a proud Sin sponsor. We at Represent would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. We all, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. I haven't flip flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this matter. Over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what it was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. You are listening to Represent, and it is a really important day today, everyone. It's a huge day. What day is it, Naya? 
Tuesday. Which no. which mics are on? It's Freddie's birthday. <laughs> Not today. Tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Nearly Freddie's birthday. <laughs> well, it's really exciting, and we're excited it for is. you. Um, what are your birthday plans, Freddie? Thank you. Um, sorry, is this mic on? I don't yeah, know. I've just is. kind of grabbed it a random mic. It's, it's <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Um, thank you so much. Um, I don't quite know what my birthday plans are yet because my girlfriend's planned all of it. Oh, so that's exciting. I don't know. Um, so it'll be exciting to see what happens. We'll oh. see. I'll, I'll update next week. Tweet us. At Sin Represents. <laughs> Tweet us what you think Freddie should do. Yeah, give um, us for his birthday. suggestions. I'll update. I'll record a little vlog and we can play it next week yes. on the show. How were your weekends, guys? Uh, my weekend was quite quiet, although I went to the footy. Terrible game, Pies-Hawks. The Pies, uh, will I get sued for defamation if I we say this? No, they sucked. The oh. champions. Do you go for the Hawks? Yeah, and we oh. didn't go because we were like, we're going to get smashed. Yeah. And then I heard... That's what everyone said. I heard people on the train today going... <laughs> Oh my goodness, the pies didn't play as well as we'd expected. I'm like, hang on, hang on. I had to Google it. You only heard it today, though. I heard it today. <laughs> well, I was just expecting disappointment. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a terrible game. They nice. played so badly. I heard it was I a pretty even go bad for one. Them, but yeah, it was really bad. Which footy team do you go for? Richmond. No, Richmond, Richmond. That's right. Yeah, you and me are Richmond supporters. Yeah. Oh yeah, we discussed this last yeah, week. Yeah, we, we, like, I'm going to the footy. Yeah, we talked about it last week. What do you do on your weekend? Yeah, what did I do on my weekend? I'm I'm all in on Melbourne International Film Festival at the oh moment. God, I, I don't know if you've seen Instagram. my Instagram story, but I'm all over it at the moment. Yeah. How, you've been to three or four now. I've been to three. I'm going to two more tonight. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, I'm all over it. It, and then I'm pretty much going to almost one a day um, for the next two weeks. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm I'm all over so it. So this, at the moment. you're working. He works these six a.m. shifts. Yeah, I work at six a.m. Um, and this is where his pay goes. <laughs> this is where my pay goes. It goes. It not doesn't to go my to funding debt. represent. <laughs> it doesn't go to funding represent. It goes to funding my movie addiction. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, but it's been very it's been a good festival so far from the three movies that I've seen. But also I've only seen twenty one movies and they're playing over I think it's around two hundred and seventy films there overall. So I feel like I'm I'm doing rookie numbers. Well, I mean who's <laughs> going to all of them? I'd hope no one's going to all of them. I think that's gotta be physically impossible. Someone's Surely going not. to text in or tweet us. Yeah, yeah, tweet us if you're going to every single myth. Who's going thing. to all 270 of them? And are you okay? Tweet us if you're going to any of them. Just tweet us. That are you guys going to go to any of them? Advertise. I haven't booked anything. No? I oh, disappointing, I. guys. I should. Sorry. Are there ones that aren't in the evening? Uh, yeah, there's quite a few during the day. I'm going that to a couple no, no. during the day. Yeah. Go with it. Mainly on the weekends. <laughs> I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> what do you do on your weekend? Um, on Friday, I was in the city after we... Ah, I saw this on your Facebook. Yeah, my little brother had his city yeah. site... I say little, but he's in year nine. Um, had his city site presentation on art in Melbourne. It was very fun. And then we went out to celebrate um, a family friend's birthday, very whose nice. kid is it's also lovely. at school in year nine. So it was lots of fun. We got crepes on... Um, Swanson yeah. Street. They were amazing. The Uncle Tetsu's ones? I think so. With the cheesecake in them? No. Oh. Uh. The ones opposite Town Hall. Yeah, I think they're the ones. Yeah. They were delicious. They're Dad's so one good. got set on fire. Oh, yeah. It was the like oh, no. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was it. so cool. I haven't been there. I always really want to go there, and then I see they're like 15 bucks for the ones with cheesecake in them. And also, I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but they look so good. I've got a they friend were. that doesn't let lactose intolerance stop her from eating dairy. Well, she just exactly. goes for it. 
I so know. surely. But I've never been there either. we got to go. I just suffer. Represent Maybe trip. that should be represent trip. If yeah. you think we should go and get crepes, tweet us at... Yeah. It's xus at... Sorry, xus oh, at cinderella. And they've, changed, they've changed the email now to x in brackets, formally Twitter. I saw it. Yeah, you, you yeah, showed this to us. I get emails from Twitter. I, I unsubscribe from all of them. I don't know why they still send them to me, but now yeah, it's really just like weird. they're rubbing in that they've changed their name. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> All right, well. Rubbing salt in the wound. Well, speaking of Friday, because you mentioned yeah, after, yeah. after you went to your brother's thing, after Good we did thinking. something on Friday. We, so we had an exciting day on Friday. We did. Um, we interviewed Dr. Well, wait, should I spoil it or should I just play it? I th- well, let's give it a bit of an intro. An I intro. Think, yeah, I think we need a bit of an intro. <laughs> um, we interviewed Dr. Karina Garland, federal MP for Chisholm for the Labor Party. Big interview for us. Super Our exciting. Our first Labor member, I believe, who's come on the show Correct. this year. Yeah, Yeah, we've been emailing them all year. It's not just because we're, like, really biased or something. It's just because they don't reply to us because they're in government and they're busy, apparently. Pick up the slack, Labor. We've I got, know. It's a bit yeah. funny. It's slack. We've got the sure. ball rolling now, so I feel like yeah. surely Karina's going to go back to her Labour friends and be like, they're they so great. They had party great. room this morning. Like, I'm oh. expecting an, a deluge of emails. They're going to contact of us course. and be like, can I please come on represent? Please. Like, we've got a few interviews booked up in the next few weeks. So, like, line up, guys. Ones. Line up. Yeah, get, get in line, guys. We're going to book it up. Every we're gonna book it up until the end of the year. You know the goal is an interview every week, so we're gonna get onto that. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Speaking of interviews, let's go. Um, now a content warning for this one. Um, we do mention sexual assault slash harassment um, in the context of universities. So if any of that um, causes any grief or makes you feel uncomfortable or you need to talk to someone, you can call the National Sexual Assault Family and Domestic Violence Counselling Line, which is 1800RESPECT, 1800-737-732. Really rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it is um, a pretty small segment as well that we talk about it, and it does. you, you can yeah. see it coming up, so you don't need to turn off from the whole interview, but you'll be able to tell quite easily when it after. is coming up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we'll be back in half an hour. Uh, enjoy listening to Dr. Karina Garland chatting to us. So, we have a really exciting interview right now on Represent with the federal MP for Chisholm, Karina Garland. Welcome to the show, Karina. We are super excited to have you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. I, um, many years ago, worked on Sin shows myself. So it's really special to be able to be on a show now. Yeah, I bet. And I actually didn't tell Freddie and Naya that um, what? before the interview and their jaws just <laughs> what? dropped. <laughs> what shows did you work on? What? <laughs> oh, I was on a few different shows. I did The Hoist, you know, the morning breakfast show. Oh, yeah. Uh, I helped coordinate some of the, the news readers uh, and I worked on Panorama. Oh, that's the so good. Program. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Pano's still going. <laughs> oh, maybe they should be doing this interview. Well, <laughs> luckily, we're here. <laughs> oh, that's great. Excellent. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. How did you not tell us this, Bridie? <laughs> because I wanted to surprise you. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Karina is a former academic at the University of Sydney, and she's got two major universities in her electorate of Chisholm, which is Monash and Deakin and is on the House of Reps Committee for Employment, Education and Training. But we have a bit of a topic for this interview. It's very relevant for all three of our lives. Um, we're going to be mostly focusing on the university's interim accord report. So, Karina, can you give us a rundown or give our listeners a rundown? 
Yes, absolutely. So our government has undertaken a review into the higher education system in Australia. So it's known as the the Australian Universities Accord. Uh, And we've uh, recently had the interim report handed down by the chair of that committee, um, or the expert panel that's advising the government, rather, uh, Professor Mary O'Kane. And that interim report contains some key recommendations that our government is taking on um, action on immediately, as well as a whole range of possible areas for reform that the community is invited to give feedback on. So it's actually a really exciting process now where we have this document out in the world uh, where people are able to participate in the conversation and debate around what we want universities in Australia to look like in the future. Now, um, I'll quickly run you through those five key uh, priorities Uh, that we're taking action on that the um, interim report identifies. The first is, and you might have seen some of these in the news too, the first is to establish up to 20 uh, additional regional university study hubs uh, and that that will um, enable people who may not have access to a physical campus to be able to get assistance uh, with their university studies and to access technology uh, and other services. We're going to abolish the 50% pass rule, which was introduced as part of the Job Ready Graduate Scheme. And that's had a really disproportionately negative impact on students from poorer backgrounds and from the regions. Um, And so I think it's a really good step in, in terms of getting more equity in the system for people that may have had difficulty accessing university education to get rid of that rule. We're extending um, demand-driven funding to all First Nations students who are eligible for the courses they apply for. So currently only First Nations students in regional and remote Australia were eligible for that demand-driven funding, but we're going to unlock it uh, for uh, First Nations students regardless of whether they're from a regional and remote um, place or whether they're from a suburb or a city. We're going to extend the higher education continuity guarantee for further two years, which is really just about providing funding certainty for universities as this whole reform accord process rolls out. Uh, And we're going to, and this has gotten quite a bit of attention in the media, work with state and territory governments to improve university governments, including making sure that we take more action on student safety on campus. Wow. Yes. Um, That's a lot of information. That is a lot. It sounds like an absolutely (laughs) stacked report. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, and a figure that really jumped out to me when I was having a look at the report is the forecast that in the near future, over 50% of jobs Mm. will require a bachelor's degree or higher. But at the moment, we're seeing that there are fewer people going to uni. So why do you think that is? Oh, look, I think it's a combination of factors. I think, uh, you know... uh, we we really haven't shifted the dial a lot in this country on making sure that people from more marginalised and a low socioeconomic backgrounds have been able to access university. So, you know, there's, we definitely need to do more to encourage and enable people to be able to have the opportunity to aspire to a higher education, uh, you know, qualification through universities. I, I do think as well... Uh, uh, people are really weighing up with cost of living pressures, uh, you know, the, the obligations to pay fees, to find housing, etc. Um, you know, near the, the university of their choice. And so I'm really pleased that in addition to the accord process, Professor Bruce Chapman, who is the architect of HEX, 
is looking at our fee structures uh, because I think that is becoming a bit of a drag on people wanting to go to university. But our focus as a government, as you say, is in making sure that we have uh, a system that is able to meet the needs of the future uh, in terms of the skills demands that, that will exist in, in the community and in our economy. And part of that has um, got to be about expanding uh, the, the number of people who are eligible for university. And that means uh, making sure that we have a really high quality education system from the very earliest years right through to post-secondary, but also that we're making sure that truly it is a, a system that is for everybody and that regardless of your background, of your parents' income, that you're able to aspire to a university uh, education. That's definitely a lot to like look at. But um, what you said with the cost of living versus kind of what you have to sacrifice to be able to earn enough money to survive. Um, I think we are seeing personally, at least for me, from anecdotal my people that I know at uni and I'm sure for you guys as well. Oh, yeah. Um, people are definitely prioritising their jobs over their study. Do you think that maybe the government should be doing more to help with that cost of living, especially for students and for international students? We've seen a lot about in the media. Well, we've we've increased the rental assistance uh, payments, which is a really great uh, thing for people who are living out of home and needing to pay for rent. And uh, I, I think, as I said, you know, I don't want to preempt any of the recommendations to come out of Bruce Chapman's review of the fee structure. But we're very live to the fact that things have um, perhaps uh, been stacked a little bit against. Our young people in terms of the, the fee structures at university so that's why we're looking at that uh, look I do think that uh, um, you know we are at a, at a point in time where people are finding it really difficult to um, balance work and university with a rising cost I was in the same boat when I was at university but I reflect back and I think that I was really lucky to be able to find an inner city uh, place to live and uh, be able to support myself uh, in a retail job but um, nowadays I think more and more people are struggling with insecure work so uh, and you know, unfortunately a lot of people um, have you know, in, in, uh, uh, insecure work report wage theft and that's disproportionately affecting young people so the changes our government is determined to make in that area too in terms of giving people both flexibility to work in casual jobs if they'd like but also to have the option to have a more secure job as well as uh, taking action on wage theft uh, will hopefully uh, mean that people have more money in their pockets to support themselves while they are trying to balance study and work but you know, our, our government absolutely acknowledges that things are pretty tough for young people. Uh, you know, I know that even um, you know, looking back from when I studied university to now, the fees have increased by something like 140%. So it is getting more expensive, which is, again, why we're looking at uh, the fee structures. We're looking at the Job Ready Graduate Scheme, which uh, you know, for someone like me who studied the humanities would have uh, resulted in really ultra expensive um, degree uh, you know we're looking at all of those things because we do recognize that um, things are pretty tough for young people and you know we'd hate for cost to be the reason people choose not to go to university 
Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot on your plate right now. You know, you, there's a lot to work on um, for the government. Is there any sort of time frame that we can expect for these reforms? Like more, you know, are there any that are kind of higher on the priority list in particular? Well, the first five that I mentioned are a priority right now. And uh, Minister Jay Sinclair introduced the legislation to uh, bring into effect some of those priority recommendations just this week. Uh, so that that's happening right now. Uh, we're also uh, continuing with the consultation process uh, with the community and I encourage uh, everyone who's listening and has an interest in higher education to read the report and consider making a submission to this review process too uh, with the final report to be handed down in December and that will be informed absolutely by conversations and submissions that people on the expert panel have had with students, academics and other parts of the community right across the country. Uh, in my own community, we've had a higher education survey running for a couple of weeks now. We've had hundreds and hundreds of submissions uh, and that's really informing my work as a local representative to make sure that I'm able to advocate and understand the issues affecting my community in the area of higher education. So there's stuff happening right now. Uh, there's opportunity for people to give feedback uh, and uh, we'll know more about where that feedback is going to lead uh, in December when we get that final report from uh, this review process. Oh, that's definitely so important to have people be able to give their submissions, um, whether that's to you, to the local member or to the um, report in general as well. Yeah, I think that definitely fits our uh, demographic of listeners, young people knowing that they, they can get a voice in this. Um, and you mentioned an increased cost from when you were at uni versus now. And we've seen increasing calls for free university education, especially in the economic climate of today, including from UniMelb Vice-Chancellor Duncan Maskell. Will the government commit to making university more affordable or even free? Look, I don't want to, as I said earlier, I don't want to preempt uh, the work that Bruce Chapman is doing. We take this really seriously, which is why we have you know, the person who created the HEC system, uh, looking at what we can do in terms of the fee structures in our university system. Uh, and I'm sure you know, he will have um, some really excellent suggestions for our government in terms of what that looks like. Uh, I think it's really important to note that the reason HEC came in um, when it did uh, following a period of free university education is because it effectively meant with the free system that there was a cap on places. So it really wasn't a very accessible uh, uh, system for a lot of people in our community. And if we do really want to expand access to university and our government really, really does want to do that, we have to make sure that we find a way to do that that's going to be sustainable and not limit people's opportunity in the way that um, the previous system with uh, fee um, free university did. So it's really important to get the balance right. That's why we've got you know, one of the best minds around in the world on this topic, Bruce Chapman, working on it. Every day I look at my hex debt and I get so sad. So you look at your hex debt every day? <laughs> well, whenever, whenever I'm feeling like I'm having a really good day and I need to humble myself, I log on to oh my, my gov and really just, you know, Gosh. let it rip. Um, but I guess there are some students in America that are feeling a little bit better about their student debt their student debt. Joe mm. Biden recently cancelled $39 billion worth of student debt. 
Could we expect something similar in Australia, maybe, at some point soon? Hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> maybe, especially for you, Freddie. Okay. Especially for me. <laughs> Again, I'm not... Look, a couple of things. Firstly, uh, if you're having a good day, just enjoy it. You know, don't, <laughs> don't bring it. <laughs> um, but, but the other thing is, too, look... Again, I really don't want to preempt what Bruce Chapman's findings are uh, here. And, you know, the U- United States system is, is quite different to Australia's in a lot of ways uh, in that they, they don't really have as many uh, public institutions... Well, they've got... Sorry. They've got more private institutions than we do. We have a really excellent system in Australia where most of our universities are public institutions, which means that people are able to access Commonwealth-supported places uh, and a whole range of other government support. And that's just not available in other countries, including, um, you know, for a lot of people in the United States, which is uh, why those cost of living pressures and the amount of debt people find themselves in uh, is so astronomical in other places. So the HEC system has worked really well uh, in Australia um, to a point. Obviously now people are finding themselves um, quite stressed and stretched and I hear from people and, and from you know students' parents as well all the time about this issue. Again, we're taking this really seriously and that's why we're, we're looking really deeply at this um, and taking the opportunity of this whole reform process to think about uh, what we want our system to look like and affordability and access is really key to that. Yeah, it's really good to hear that, like, that's the priority for the government. I think for all of us being in uni, like, yeah, affordability and access would be probably the two issues that we can kind of relate to the most. And whenever I'm having a bad Mm. day, I just remember, at least least our system's better than America's. (laughs) I will say that. Um, But it isn't just uni students that are struggling. We've also seen staff struggle in the uni sector so what are the recommendations and what are the what are the potential changes that the government is planning uh, in order to better retain staff in the sector and things around sort of payment we've seen some strikes around that what are the recommendations around reforms for staff well great great question and look i i have to acknowledge too that i've I have been um, a staff member at a university as an academic. I was a member of the NTU, so full disclosure there. Uh, um, And I meet with the NTU and staff at universities really regularly and hear from them. Look, uh, that fifth recommendation that I ran through that list pretty quickly earlier, I know, um, that looks to university governance also includes making sure universities are really good employers. And so, of course, thinking about, uh, you know, job security and fair wages is fundamental to being a good employer, really. Uh, So that is something that is one of those priority areas of action that uh, our government, the federal government, will be working with states and territories on uh, and uh, I think is a very um, important part of uh, our reform. And, you know, I think it was pretty terrible, and that's probably quite the understatement, that during the worst part of COVID, uh, universities were locked out of JobKeeper. And that meant lots of really talented academics left the sector uh, because there was no way that they could afford to stay. Um, so uh, that was a really dreadful um, moment, I think, in, in our history as a country and what that did to higher education. So it's really important that we we don't leave 
um, the employees of universities behind when we um, you know, think about our economy, uh, which the previous government did. And I'm you know, really pleased that our government, and I'm not surprised our government is taking it so seriously, but I think there's a real shift in the way that we actually really do value universities and academics. Absolutely. I think, um, I don't think any of the three of us were at uni pre-COVID, so we don't really know what changed, like, with the academics that would have related to us at all, but I can imagine it was very different. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's just a fact that people were effectively uh, not able to access the income support in the way that they were able to in other industries. So, of course, people have to make decisions about, yeah, survival really and yeah, absolutely. it shouldn't come as surprise that some people had to make the decision to leave the sector and, and that's really terrible that those really talented, bright people uh, had to walk away from something that they loved. Yeah, definitely. So this report, it's not even the final product really, it's the interim no. report. <laughs> so can we expect more drastic recommendations or anything different at the end of the year or do you think it will just be sort of a more detailed summary of effectively these points well as i said this this uh interim report is uh really an invitation to participate right, uh, okay. for the community so really there are lots of questions in there there are lots of areas of potential reform that the authors identify and so now we're in uh, a period of time where there's opportunity for people to give their feedback uh to share their ideas and thoughts And that is what is going to shape that final report. So obviously what's outlined in that report gives a good sense of where the thinking is. And I think it's really great that we're, you know, the report is so transparent about the ideas that uh, are being considered. Uh, But this is really about a public conversation about what we want our university sector to look like. And there are lots of different people who will have lots of different views. Uh, and it's a great opportunity to participate and uh, contribute to shaping the future of Australian universities. Oh, absolutely. And I think part of that, and you, you did mention this earlier, uh, in, in shaping universities and what we want to see in them is safety uh, in the environment of university. And what will the federal government do to tackle specifically sexual violence at university? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things. So as I mentioned, one of the priority actions that we're taking is to bring together state and territory governments um, and work on, on, on that issue. But it's not the only thing our government's doing. So last year, our government, in partnership with state and territories all across Australia, so there's national agreement, uh, and it released our national plan to end um, gendered violence effectively in a generation which is pretty ambitious. Definitely and ambitious. To do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think it, 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 it needs to be, right? So, you know, we've got a, a real problem with uh, gender violence and uh, we do need to, I think, really um, be brave and try and do everything we can to eliminate it. And part of that will require us to, and is requiring, we're doing it already, work with educational institutions, whether that's uh, you know, in schools or in universities, to make sure that we're able 
to change cultures, change behaviours, uh, so that we are able to meet that ambition of eliminating gender violence in a generation. So, obviously, uh, there's more to be done, and we've never been uh, you know, a government that shies away from saying that. There clearly needs to be be more done. We, we've we've come some way as a society on the issues of gendered violence, and I see, you know, myself as you know someone who went to university quite some time ago. The progress universities have made on this particular issue of student safety, but the work hasn't been completed. Uh, there's a lot more that we we can and should do, and our government's really committed to that. It's complicated for lots of different reasons, but just because it's hard doesn't mean. You know, we have we shouldn't do. You know, it's too hard to do. Not at all. We're up for this challenge. Um, it's going to take a lot of work, uh, but we're determined to get it done because it's really unacceptable. Um, the the level of devastation to people's lives that that happens when they experience um, you know harassment or assault on campus. Uh, you know, it's it's heartbreaking actually to think about all of those bright futures. Um, that were really, um, you know, brought to an end uh, effectively because of the interruption to their study, that harassment and assault, um, you know, basically meant for them. Uh, and I don't want to see anyone have their study interrupted or people to um, disconnect from study and walk away from it because they've had a really negative experience. It's not fair. Yeah, it's so um, kind of refreshing to hear people talking about it now. I feel like it was kind of really brushed mm. under the rug for a long time. So absolutely, definitely yeah. a process to address, but <laughs> it's good that we've yeah. started the process. Yeah. And I think to address that, you do need to have the conversation about it as well. So it's really good to hear that. And it's good to hear that we've got a government that's ready to tackle those issues. But I guess to sort of, we've talked mm. a lot about education today. We want to take sort of a little step back from that because you've only been an MP for just over a year. <laughs> which is pretty exciting. How's it been in your first year as the MP of Chisholm? Oh, look, it is an absolute privilege. It's a funny job because um, it's very varied, but it's also a job where I don't know how long I'm going to have the opportunity to do this, and it will largely not be up to me. So I'm working as hard as I can for as long as I have. Um, I only know that I've got until the next election, so I don't ever take a moment, a day for granted. Um, and you know, going to citizenship ceremonies, community groups, speaking to people about um, the issues that matter to them at mobile offices is, is, is so satisfying. And then being able to go to Canberra and um, advocate for my community in conversations with ministers, in speeches I'm able to deliver in the parliament, uh, and to further policy work of our government through my committee work. It's just all an absolute privilege and a pleasure and it's a huge learning curve, but every week is, is easier than the last, which I think is a really good sign of progress. That definitely sounds like progress. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it would be a bit of a shock to the system going from campaigning to actually being in Parliament. Um, what was that change like yeah. for you? Extremely strange. Uh, look, in many ways, of course, you know what happens if you're going to be successful in an election. And I always thought of the election really and the campaign as a very long and a very strange job interview with my community. Uh, and it's wonderful to have been um, given the job. Uh, and, you know, your parliament is its very own 
strange place because it's got rules and processes and procedures that are unlike any other workplace, uh, really. So that takes some getting used to. But uh, a lot of the rest of the work, it's just listening to people, uh, having conversations, problem solving, helping people, uh, and yeah, it's great that we're actually I'm actually able to now do that as opposed to in the campaign when you know not in government, you're not elected, uh, you, you can't fix some of the problems in the community. And now I I can, and it's really um, you know such an honour. Yeah, well, that's so great to hear. Um, obviously, Parliament is yeah. a very weird place. Um, weird to the point that when a bill maybe fails once in the Senate and comes back to the House, it could um, mean that there might be an early election. What is your kind of position on this whole kind of debacle we're seeing with this housing bill? I was about to say it's a very specific example, Brady. <laughs> Where'd you get that from? <laughs> Look, there are... They've, historically, there have been lots of triggers for uh, the double dissolution option. Uh, it's only ever an option, and it's just one of those. Again, it's just part of the rules of the parliament in terms of what you do in in case uh, you know bills fail to proceed in particular ways. Uh, so uh, there are lots of funny little rules like that. Uh, if you read any of the sort of the standing orders or the practice of the House of Representatives. I couldn't, unfortunately, tell you about too much of what happens in the Senate. That's a whole separate set of rules that I'm definitely not familiar with. Uh, so, look, it, it's just... It's really uh, um, a, a product of process rather than something that's necessarily absolutely going to happen. It just means that there could be uh, a new election called because a certain... Um, conditions have been met uh, in relation to the passage of legislation, uh, but it's certainly not uh, something that must happen or or will happen necessarily. Yeah, well, I think that probably will add a little bit of security into how people are looking at Parliament, maybe? Yeah, I think it also, it also probably would interest people if it was to happen, interest young people in seeing that, that yeah. process. Um, and on, on that, how would you recommend young people who are interested in politics get their foot in the door? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. Look, there's lots of different ways to get involved. Uh, you know, I think as well having a broad view of politics is probably good. Not necessarily thinking of politics as necessarily joining a political party, but finding the issues that you really care about. So for a lot of young people, I know it will be higher education, but there'll be lots of other issues too. The environment uh, and climate change, of course, are really important issues. Um, and, you know, involve yourself in the things that you care about because all of this stuff is political. And it might not be attached to a political party, but they're absolutely issues of, of politics. Um, if you want to join a party, uh, find the one that aligns with your values. And uh, I, there's a lot of volunteering opportunities. And, and so try those out and see how that, that sort of suits you. Uh, there's lots of stuff to do in political parties. M most political parties rely heavily on the work of volunteers, whether it's in policy development or campaign work. Uh, uh, that's, that's, that's so many opportunities. But as I said, you know, I think find out what motivates you really. Uh, politics, uh, for me, is all about 
trying to make the world a better place. And so I've got some particular issues I really care about and think are kind of fundamental to doing that. Uh, and, you know, for me, the Labor Party was a good fit for my values. Uh, but that's, of course, not going to be the case for everybody. Absolutely. I feel like politics really is sort of a place for everyone because they can all bring sort of what they really care about to the table. Definitely. And Karina, we're going to let you go in a minute, but just before we let you go, uh, to loop back to the uni stuff before, how can people make their voices heard with this University's Accords uh, report? Well, have a look at the report, the interim report. It's available online uh, at the Department of um, Education and the Accord website. Uh, speak to your local MP uh, about the issues in it that you are wanting to, to raise and give feedback on. Uh, you know, if you live in Chisholm, please get in contact with me and please do my higher education survey. <laughs> but I think democracy works best when there's lots of participation and local representatives like myself are able to hear people's views. So whether it's about the university's accord process, which, as I said, is open for feedback and I really encourage people to give their feedback, but whatever the issue is, you should never feel shy about contacting your local politician uh, and uh, letting them know what issues you expect them to advocate for you on. Amazing. Well, that was excellent. like basically a who's who of all of the important <laughs> issues in politics at the moment. <laughs> We've covered it perfectly. Thank yeah. you so much, Karina. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. We have loved having oh, my you absolute... on. <laughs> Love chatting to you. Wake, Wake up. up, babe. We're back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> I we got to turn there. the mics up, but now we're good. We're what on mean, That was exactly the first thing we said after that interview. Yes, we didn't say was. anything before that. So true. Um, I hope you enjoyed that interview. I thought we it was great. We certainly did. Yeah, it was really fantastic to talk to Karina. So thank you very much, Karina, if you're if you're out there listening right now. Yep. Um, and we're excited. Oh, wait, I might not say that, actually. That may be oh, under spoiler, wraps. Oh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> um, but that interview, if you didn't catch all of it, it's on our Omni or Spotify or... Apple Podcasts. Wherever you Google get Podcasts, your podcasts. Any podcasting RSS, app. RSS. I don't know what that is, but it says it somewhere. It's like a custom thing. I don't know what it is. It's like if we, if you don't have us on your podcast app, you can use that to add us to your podcast app. Fantastic Couldn't technology. You just go on the podcast app. Or just get a better podcast app <laughs> if we're Whoa. not already on it. I'm just saying. Big words. Oh, Big you words. mean if we don't exist on the podcast Yeah, it's app. like if Have we're you. not in that catalogue, you can add us with that oh, like RSS right. thing. I thought that was like you could be on Apple Podcasts and couldn't be bothered searching yeah. it up, so you go into <laughs> a different app to search it up. To search it up and add it to your other app. <laughs> yeah. Podcasts nice. are complicated. Um, you know what else is complicated? Exactly. Oh, Infrastructure. And public so transport. True. Have you guys been watching Utopia? No, I still it. haven't watched it. You told me to watch it last week, but I, know, I still haven't, I haven't watched it. I haven't finished it, no spoilers. Oh, okay. I don't <laughs> remember what happens in any of the episodes. I just like them. Um, anyway, <laughs> trains like suck. Yeah! Naya was stuck Woo! on a train today, 
and she almost didn't make the show. So close. And we would have so been close. devastated if she wasn't here. As you should be. She walked in during the intro. Yeah, it yeah, was it was playing. It was perfect. 5.02pm. Because there were trespassers. Why are there so many trespassers on the trains at the moment? It's really annoying me. I, I, I mentioned so this annoying. before the show to you guys, but there was a thing a few weeks ago, I think it was Cranbourne Packenham line, and I think it affected Frank's... It affected a lot of lines, actually, I think, where they got the trespassers off after about, like, I think 10 minutes... And then, like, ten minutes later, there were more trespassers, and they had to stop the trains this is again. It's devastating. And it's like, what? Just, just grab them. It's just <laughs> grab them. Get it's the police so there and grab them. It's such an annoying thing to do. Like, just from a person-to-person point of view, like, it is irritating. It's like I think the trespassers need to learn a bit of empathy because how would you guys feel if you were on the train to trying go trying to get somewhere? Try People to get got somewhere. things to do. Perhaps even try to trespass on another train, <laughs> and then there's trespassers that trespass before you trespass. Like, just think about that. It's really stealing your thunder. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so moving on to actual news. Yes. Actual politics, actual what the show is for. Yes. Um, We have actually heard in the last week that the government has shelved, the state government, their promise to extend the electric train lines to Melton and Wyndham Vale in Melbourne's west. Absolutely rough. So basically these two areas are, I mean, among others, but these ones particularly are serviced by V-line trains, um, which are irregular compared to metro trains considerably less once regular hourly i, think I so. believe is what it is i don't yeah. take them but i believe it's once hourly yeah um they're not necessarily as big and they aren't faster either they have to still stop at suburban stations and they still get stuck behind other trains i believe another point is they also run on diesel ah. some of it they're, so they're not yes. fully electrified like uh, the metro trains are correct so these suburbs are really rapidly growing. Melton, um, there. Oh, where did I write this stat? It's the fastest growing local government area in Australia with an annual growth rate of 6.5%. So it's consistently getting significantly bigger. And look, there's not many recent stats that are actually valuable on this because the census in 2021 was during COVID, but in 2011, over 60% of residents in Melton travelled outside of the area to work. So they're all commuting, like a huge majority of the people. And, you know, it's, I think I read that it had increased in population by like 60% or something over a decade. No, As you I said, it is it's the grown fastest, 70% yeah. over oh, the damn. decade to 2022. Like it's humongous growth in these outer western suburbs. The urban we can sprawl. Have, we can have a separate conversation about <laughs> urban sprawl, but it's really just like they need better services is the long and short of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the government says it's part of an evolving commitment, etc., etc. This is a promise that they made before the 2018 state election. Exactly. So it's like, how is it? And now they're saying yeah. that they're not going to fulfil it. They've like, promised this, and now they've gone back on it. I think it's a bit unfair to those residents who, like, very might have voted Labor mm. specifically because they were like, it's a pain to, for me to get to work. Exactly. I want to get to work faster. And at the time, I guess, I want to get to work cheaper. Mm. So I'm going to vote Labor. And now Labor's just been like, huh, sorry, guys. Sucked in. <laughs> Thanks for your vote, though. Yeah, so exactly. It's like, so, so like, the issue is they needed to duplicate the tracks before they can mm, electrify it. Duplicate, like, like um, build more tracks. tracks. yeah. So they can electrify it. 
Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's all a bit kind of convoluted, really. Just a bunch of train logistical things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, There's okay. a very detailed age article, but it's very detailed. And that, that's what stopped them from fulfilling this plan. Yeah, well, that's what they're saying. Okay, it, right. the issue. Um, Maybe yeah, they should have figured that out before they promised it. Essentially, the mayor of Wyndham City is saying mm. that demand for public transport continues to outstrip supply, and she's saying a new line is essential to get more services into the area. Um, documents that the age obtained under Freedom of Information Act... FOI. FOI. I always think that's so cool when people obtain things. Maybe we should try and obtain some things from the government with FOI. <laughs> Just for a bit of fun. I think it's so cool. We could have yeah, a weekly FOI, FOI segment. <laughs> we so should. That'd be epic. I'm so down. Well, yeah. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. You do a fair bit of it in journal law and ethics, Naya. You talk about it a fair bit. Yeah. So you're an expert. Get onto it. Right. <laughs> You'll be so our nice FOI week. correspondent. You you tune in next week. Uh, tweet us what you think we should look what up on should, the FOI. What should we get from the FOI? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, the FOI documents that the age obtained show the project could have run trains through the area every four minutes during rush hour by 2031, which, like, obviously in the scheme of things... Well, no, not in the scheme of things. That feels like a long way away. But in the scheme of things, that's not that far, considering yeah. the airport rail that they've also shelved wouldn't have been happening until 2050 or something. Yeah, it's less than 10 years away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I want an airport rail. Locals <laughs> currently wait <laughs> 20 so minutes nice. for a train during peak hour and fear the improvements now won't be delivered at all. Which is fair, considering they're sort of planned improvements have been scrapped. And I think, I guess, yeah, as you said, the V-Line trains have a significantly lesser capacity. I think we saw mm. earlier 1,500 passengers can be carried on a metro train, but I don't know the exact figures for a V-Line train, Wait, but it's significantly really? less than that. Yeah, apparently. My goodness. But, um, and I think an issue that we've seen for those outer suburbs that are out outer suburbs that are still serviced by V-Line trains, we've seen that they frequently are subject to overcrowding. Mm. Um, people have to stand, people have to squish into them. We've been reading a lot about the train to Warrnambool, actually. Mm. A few weeks ago, there was this huge thing. It was just so crowded. Um, yeah. And that's probably the last thing you want to have when you've just gotten off a day of work. And then exactly. you've also got to consider not just the people who do go to those suburbs, those suburbs that are part of that V-Line train. I don't know which V-Line line that uh, Melton is part of. I think it might be the Geelong one. I'm not I'll quite check. sure. But, um, yeah, have a look. But you've also got to consider the people who do need to go all the way to Geelong, then they're stuck with overcrowded trains on mm. their sort of journey back home. It's to Ararat. It's to Ararat. Ballarat. It's the Ballarat train. Okay. So it's like, it's more than just like the Melton people being affected, but of course, like for such a rapidly growing suburb, they yeah. deserve better. They're basically becoming part of Metro Melbourne. So let's get yeah. them a Metro train. Well, they're sort of considered part of Metro Melbourne, but they're not included in the public transport system. Like it's really... And, I mean, then you sort of consider the demographics of people that are making up these outer suburbs and it all starts to be a bit like, hmm. Yeah, it's hmm. just a bit like, let's get, let's get them a train. Yeah, <laughs> let's exactly. Get, get when you think train. of the amount of trains that are servicing, like, say, the Sandringham line. Oh, where was I reading this? I was reading something about this where it was like the Sandringham line only really exists because, you know, 100, 200 years ago, there were, like, these rich guys who lived down the Sandringham line, and so they oh. lobbied the parliamentarians that they knew to get train stations built there, and that's oh, why wow. that line exists, and it's, like, very close to the Frankston line for a lot of yes, its it is. Yeah. duration. Anyway, 
Sounds um, like Melton needs a sugar daddy. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> we need, like, Rupert Murdoch to move to Melton <laughs> and, like, lobby the premier or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about our other we're, segment? We're going to speed through this one yeah, because we've got to be out of here in five minutes. So we're going to do a quick little debrief. Donald Trump indicted again. Here's what happened. Former US President Donald Trump has been indicted on four charges related to alleged four attempts... Four more charges. Four more charges, sorry. Related to alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 US presidential election. The grand jury indictment alleges that Mr. Trump conspired to defraud the US by preventing Congress from certifying Joe Biden's victory and depriving voters of their right to a fair election. The charges include conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding and conspiracy against voter rights. Trump supporters, of course, well, okay, not Trump supporters, but people who were linked to Trump supporters, later attacked the US Capitol on January 6, 2021, in a bid to stop Congress from certifying Mr. Biden's victory. Mr. Trump has released a statement on social media platform Truth Social, Social, which his media company owns, calling the indictments un-American witch hunts, and quote, President Trump, referring to himself in third person apparently, will not be deterred by disgraceful and unprecedented political targeting. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Fascinating. Um, so the indictment alleges that Mr. Trump repeatedly lied about the presidential election even after being warned off his false statements by top government officials. Prosecutors have cited a specific example in Georgia where Mr. Trump claimed that more than 10,000 dead people voted in four days after that, sta- that state's top elections official told him that wasn't true. I love this. This is just like, how is this happening? How is this happening? Then in seven states, I'm guessing oh God, also including going. Georgia, we're still going. Mr. Trump is accused of, quote, causing fraudulent electors to meet on the day on which legitimate electors were to gather and cast their votes and they got these fraudulent fraudulent electors to cast fraudulent votes for Trump and sign documents falsely representing that they were the legitimate electors. So just real quickly the electoral college system in America you vote in your state, then your electors in your state look at your votes and then they go, okay, this is who the state wants and then they lodge those votes like that. So it's not like Australia where it's like it's more of a direct vote. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So Trump is accused of acting with six co-conspirators. The indictment doesn't name them, but apparently four were attorneys. One was a political consultant and one was a Justice Department official. These alleged co-conspirators haven't been named. And finally, Mr. Trump is scheduled to appear in court this week to face the charges against him, but proceedings are estimated to not officially start until 2024. So there we go. Lots of stuff. A lot of information there. Yeah. Maybe we'll explore it a bit further once we sort of get a bit closer to those proceedings. Maybe we'll look at it next week once the um once he faces the charges this week. But that's sort of your quick represent debrief. I am yeah. chuffed right now. You've just you've just smashed it. Like <laughs> there boom, we go. Done. Well, shall we wrap up? Let's wrap up. Fantastic okay, well, show, thank guys. Thank you very much for listening to Represent. Thank you. Thank um, you. Yep. Listen back wherever you want. We are on the Omni. We're everywhere. You can't get rid of us. You can't get rid of us. Tweet us. Instagram everywhere. us. Threads us. 
I posted on the mall. I'm getting it's the notifications us. on my phone. They're all going beep, 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 beep. We want to see Not everyone really, liking our posts yeah, right now. Yeah, I expect a lot of likes, please. Even Reaxos. I don't know if that's what they're calling us, but... <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> is that what they're calling it? I don't Reacts? know. They better not. Oh, we just I think they're still saying like. tweet. Hey. And friend. retweet. <laughs> because nothing beats tweeting and retweeting. Exactly. They should just change it back. Should they change it back? Let us know. Yeah. That's in represent. Tell us. Yes. Tweet yes. us. Yes. X us. Threads us. Instagram us. Um, you are listening to Sin. Stay tuned for The Hoist if you want to. It's going to be a banger show, I'm sure. They've got... Yeah. They've, they've always got some good stuff. We can see them there. next door. So they're planning, they're ready, <laughs> yeah. and they're going to smash it. Good All work, right. guys. Uh, thanks for listening. You are on. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast, where young people run the show. <laughs>